Welcome to Building and Protecting Your Business Worth podcast. This podcast is about sharing strategies and ideas to help business owners build, protect, and transition their businesses for the future while creating more balance in their life. Your host is Thomas J. Perone, CLU, CIC, and president of the New England Consulting Group of Guilford Incorporated, consulting business owners for over 50 years. Welcome to Building and Protecting Your Business Worth. Hi, I'm Tom Perone, and I'm your host. And this podcast is all about learning strategies to build your business, to create greater profit, but to create also an abundance of leisure time so you can enjoy what you're building. Today, we have a wonderful guest, and I would like to introduce to you Jeff Dow, welcome to the program, and thanks for participating today. How are you, Jeff? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Tom. Well, thanks for spending your time with us. We have a, a lot to cover with you, you, your family, your history, and the whole deal, right? Yeah. Uh, it's been around a long time. Jeff, I thought what we'd do is first let me introduce you to the audience, tell them a little bit about your family history because it goes way back, and then get into some of the ways you're running the business, and also the questions that people would probably have. So let me first introduce you. That's great. Uh, Jeff is the president and principal broker of Dow Realty Company since 2008, and he's a native of Brantford. And he began learning the business, like many of us, actually following our dads and moms around and finding out, learning things, right? But you did it at a young age, right? Yeah. Yeah. uh, Jeff went to Lehigh uh, University and he has a degree in industrial engineer and uh, moved on to do that. He was a great sales engineer with Ingersoll Rand prior to joining the family business. Uh, Jeff is definitely a giver. He He's associated with uh, the Association uh, of Realtors, Commercial Investment Division, which is the CID, I guess. Um, and you were honored in 2008 as the raising, Rising Star 2010. Congratulations. Rising Thanks. Star. That seems like a long time ago now. Yeah, Rising Star fell, I think. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. Jeff serves on a lot of organizations, uh, director of VNA, Community Healthcare, New Haven Rotary, past president, director of Soundview Family, YMCA, Pine Orchard, on the finance committee and vice commodore, which in and of itself can be a very uh, difficult task. Um, And Jeff, you're the nominee or designee of a CCIM Institute, which is a designation in real estate that only 6% of the commercial agents have, which is, I I commend you for that. Yeah, thank you. It's something I'm very proud of because it's not easy to get. You know, a lot of people get into a profession and they they stop learning and growing. And, uh, you know, your bio here reminds me of it, that, that yells straight out is that you're a real giver and you get involved. And that's why the Dow Realty Company has such a great culture. And, uh, you know, again, I go back to when your dad started this company. So Although I didn't know your dad personally, I knew of him. He had a wonderful reputation like you do. So I was intrigued with the family background, but I didn't know about it. Oh, let's talk about your grandfather. Sure. I never knew about that. Tell us all about him. Well, so my grandfather, uh, Jess Dow, 
who's uh, pictured right here. He was the uh, started the athletic department and was the head football coach at Southern Connecticut State University and is now in the College Football Hall of Fame as a result of his efforts there at Southern. And uh, he's originally from West Texas. Um, and it was Southern that brought him here. And my family's been part of the community ever since. And he played professional football, right? Yeah, he played for three years with the Eagles before World War II. The Eagles, yeah. Huh? yeah. That's pretty good. Philadelphia is really popular around here. And then your grandmother had quite a little history, didn't she? Yeah. So she came here with him from Texas and uh, raised two kids. But while she was doing it, she uh, started a, uh, a craft business that grew into a very successful successful multi-million dollar business um, through the 60s, 70s, into the 80s and uh, uh, sold it. Um, she did a lot of the things that you would buy at Michael's Crafts today, yeah. uh, but sold it at state fairs and through catalogs prior to the internet. Um, yeah, so she was quite the woman entrepreneur and something else I'm very proud of. She was on 139 here in Brantford. Was that her where her building was? Yeah. Yeah. She built that building in the 60s and we still own it today. Wow. Incredible. Yeah. And your dad, well, he in 1983, he jumps out. And um, was he with Beasley prior to this? No, he was never with Beasley. He, he worked for a, a company called Baker Properties and um, was with Herb Pierce for, for years in their Herb commercial Pierce. department. Yeah. Um, I remember her very fondly from, I knew him when I was a little kid too, and had been in his office when my dad worked for him. And, um, it was his background at Pierce that helped launch Dow Realty. He, uh, Pierce was a, a very nice man. He took his time with people. I met him once and he was uh, nothing but a, a, a charming guy to talk with. Absolutely. So, Jeff, let's talk a little bit about how you got into this profession. Well, um, I think I'd have to talk about Ingersoll Rand a little bit to, to explain sure. that. Sure. Um, and uh, so I got out of Lehigh University and was hired instantly as a inside sales engineer with Ingersoll Rand. And it was a great experience for me growing up in a family of entrepreneurs that own small businesses that I, you know, I'm, I spent a year in Detroit that I was in New Jersey and I, I, our headquarters was in North Carolina. So I got exposed to big corporate life and what it was like to be a cog in the wheel of a big corporation and have to meet sales goals and go to meetings and things like that. And these are things that a lot of small business entrepreneurs like us don't do. Um, after 10 years of doing that, I wanted to do something myself, own my own business. And uh, a good friend of mine said, you know, geez, why don't you just go to work for your father? I mean, he owns a successful real estate company. And I thought about that and went, you know what? He's right. I should <laughs> give this a shot. And at the time I had won a national sales award with Ingersoll Rand. And so my father was like, maybe this kid, uh, knows what he's doing. He has some talent and uh, the timing was right then. And uh, so we planned for a couple of years and I took the plunge in 2007 with him. 
Yeah. So that's, and that's gone by very quick, hasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I took those skills into the business and, uh, you know, one story that I, I thought you might find interesting that the listeners might find interesting because a lot of what we do is networking. And I had this experience when I was with an Ingersoll Rand distributor, you know, as a young 20 something year old salesperson that I was trying to meet clients and build the business. And it's really hard to knock on doors and get to know people right mm. in cold call. And I went to a, a chamber event, in Northwestern Connecticut. And at this chamber event, they happened to be looking, they were starting a manufacturer's coalition. It was great networking for my business. And the head of the, uh, the chamber, Joanne Ryan, who I haven't talked to in years, and she was looking for a chairman to run it and organize it. And I put my hand up thinking, they're not going to pay any attention to me. They don't know who I am. But she was happy to have the volunteer help. And it put me in an instant position of, you know, I had credibility because she interviewed me, said, you run this thing. And I had meetings for this manuf these manufacturers. And the great part was that I got to know them all, not as somebody who was trying to sell something to them, but as somebody who was trying to facilitate these manufacturing meetings for them. And they got to know me. And that's when I really learned, oh, my gosh, this is the power of networking. And they all ended up becoming customers. It's a fantastic lesson. It is a fantastic lesson because I've always said that when you go to networking meetings, uh, the downside is that only 5% of the people there are givers. Everybody right. looking to take. And if you're a giver, it can get frustrating. But if you do it the right way, uh, building relationships is, is the great way, which leads me to the second question, because your family has a wonderful reputation. Your business has a reputation. You have a very good reputation. And I, I know the answer to this question, but I'm going to ask you because people are always looking for it. What are the things that you feel that you've done to create the success that you've had over the years? Well, I think that the number one thing is that people trust me. You know, I, I have a track record and that track record was built by always doing the right thing for your client. and. Um, I think that's the number one thing. Trust. Yeah, and, do the right thing for them and they'll trust you and everything goes smoother. Yeah, and and uh, unfortunately today we don't see that a lot. We don't see people doing what they say they're going to do. They say they're going to do it, but they don't do it. And, uh, and not only do, are you trustworthy, but you're very likable as a person. Uh, there aren't too many rough edges around Jeff Dow, so that you're an easy guy to work with, and we know that. Um, Jeff, what concerns you right now uh, the most maybe about your own business? What's going on in your industry that might concern you? Well, that's a good question. Um, I mean, the economy is is a concern always, but um, yeah, I think that it, it's it's people. It's being able to relate to people, and some of that is technology. Um, technology is changing our business in a good way, mm -hmm. in that you know I can be more efficient because of the technology I have. 
but it takes away some of that interpersonal touch. Um, with the technology out there on the internet, a lot of people think they can just go on the internet and they'll know and, and be able to do some of the things that we do as brokers for themselves. And it, it, it's just not the case. I mean, it would be like, I, you know, this happens in other professional industries too. Yeah. I'm sure you could go fill out a will online, right? Get that off the internet. But uh, I know a person right now that um, changed their will and the uh, relatives are going to the, the, the lawyer now with that will that was done a couple of years ago. It turns out it was illegal. It wasn't done properly. Right. And yeah. so I see that being a big challenge in our business that because people think they can go on the internet and do things themselves, there's going to be a lot of people making mistakes, big financial mistakes. And we're going to talk about it because the one thing I, uh, that we've discussed is that I don't think people realize the kind of work realtors do for them behind the scenes, but especially commercial realtors. So we're going to get into that on some of the yeah. questions and you can go deep on that because I think I think if anybody's listening to this video, they're obviously listening because they, they might be thinking about buying property and want to know more about it, but they need to know what you services you really go deep in. Okay. Um, you know, in baseball, there's nine guys at start, but there's another 15 guys on the bench and there's a reason for that, right? Behind the scenes and all that stuff. Um, you have, uh, uh, Dow has always had remarkable representatives and people working in the Dow family. So you've been able to create a great culture, much like your dad did. So let's talk about what are the things that you do to keep your employees long-term? Well, we, we operate this like a, much like a family. We, we want our employees to be happy. Um, we give them time off. Uh, you know, if somebody needs to take care of something in their family, we'll find somebody to cover it. Um, so, you know, that family atmosphere where everybody's helping each other out really, really goes a long way to uh, having successful people work here. Yeah, I think when you and that's important because because, first of all, people that like where they work stay there. Uh, yeah. But people that don't like it, they move. And that that's costly for everybody involved. Uh, you know, one of the biggest selling drivers for a business is the the culture of the business because a new owner wants to know people will stay and they've been happy. So you've created something where, you know, it, and it also ripples effect of the reputation that you have around town because people know people that work with Dow, they're happy with them, they know you. It, it's a it's worth putting the time in. And um, you've done a really good job of that. You've done a very, very good job of that. Um, as your dad did, by the way, I might add, he was a very good business guy. Um, what would you say would be the key issues that you have to stay up on in your industry? Well, certainly the market. You, you need to be, and this goes back to being involved in the community, right? Uh, the market is like the community. You, you need to know what's going on in the business community, 
what's going on with different businesses, um, more than just transactions. Knowing which businesses might be expanding or having some trouble, uh, people that own a lot of real estate, where are they in the process of maybe divesting or acquiring more? Uh, so, so being in tune with the market and the community to know what's going to be happening in real estate in you know the geographic region that I I cover, which is typically South Central Connecticut, I try to really be immersed in it. So. And and Jeff, give us a, a kind of a scenario. Actually, what happens from the beginning to the end in commercial transactions, and maybe some of the timeline or the frame of that. Well, it can really vary. It's really hard. And this is why people hire me, because you need to know what to do in each situation, because every situation is unique. Um, I, I've had properties that have taken four years, five years to market and close. And I've had others that will sell in a month and close a couple months later. So every transaction can be different then depending on the property. Yeah. And I I can give you some examples of those. Yeah. And I was just going to ask you, give us some some examples, because I know you do a lot of work right around here in New Haven and Brantford. Give us some examples of that. Yeah. So um, I'll give you a unique example of uh, an investment sale that I, I had in 2021. I had a property, the client, uh, in this case, which was a little unusual, did not want the property publicly listed. Didn't want to sign up, didn't want it on the internet, didn't want it on the multiple listing service. And this investment property was an industrial type property on the Connecticut shoreline, uh, in really good shape, had about uh, eight tenants in it and produced income. Um, So my hands were kind of tied behind my back. We got it. I got it under contract in the space of about four months, which is not a long time in commercial real estate. Right. That's not a lot. And it was simply by networking. Another business person that I knew that happened to be selling a property in another state and had a 1031 exchange. Um, you know, I marketed it directly to people that I knew that were potential buyers and he ended up buying it. And it was a win-win for both parties. Because you were limited. You couldn't go to the advertising route or making it public. So right. well, you were limited, weren't you? Right. Yeah. So that part of the process was a little different than usual. But the rest of the process was, you know, in the case of property like that, you need to fully understand the property, both physically, what the tenants do in the property, what do the financials look like, the income and expense the lease terms, um, understand what kind of provisions are in the lease that might be impactful to a buyer, um, be able to explain those and uh, show them to people and put the property in its best light. And then once somebody finds that it's a good purchase and goes under contract, there's a lot of handholding, you know, just disappear. You got to you know, there's going to be physical property inspections and issues come up with that. And that, in this case, there was a, a septic issue with the property. There was also a little roof issue. Um, you know, so you really need to be a problem solver in those cases. 
which I'm good at, you know, with my industrial engineering degree really helps right. me both on the finance side and with the problem solving side and um, making sure that they're diligent and buyers are getting financing and it's timely and everything's on task and on schedule. And then, um, you know, the other part of it is managing people because there's lawyers involved and environmental consultants and from, and um, it's a, it's a lot to do. And there's a lot of it at, at stake because I don't get paid unless I am successful and bring it to a closing. Yeah, there's a lot of things to touch in commercial real estate from EPA issues to so many other things. Finance, like you just said, finance. I work with attorneys and accountants all the time, and it's always detailed. You have to be detail oriented to do it. So, Jeff, is there a special market or a, a special type of property that you, you kind of specialize in or in any, any particular area? No, I, I, you know, I've been doing this a long time and uh, there's all kinds of things that I do. Uh, I, I, I love industrial properties. Um, you know, having a background in industry at Ingersoll Rand, I, I, I like manufacturing companies and light industrial type companies, service companies that utilize those buildings. But I also do a lot of things with office space and biotech. Um, representing a, a very large publicly listed biotech company right now. Um, well, Jeff, when you say office space, you're talking about leasing? Yeah, leasing and sales. Okay, yeah, okay. Um, so leasing, either representing the owner of a building to lease out space they have available or representing tenants that are looking for space. Um, I've sold office buildings. Uh, I do a lot of work with, you know, smaller kind of um, buildings that would serve local business people, um, people that are retiring that have real estate that don't want to own it anymore. And and do you stay local, or are you all over the place in New England, or is it just Connecticut? I stay in Connecticut. I, I have, uh, you know, other brokers that I network with in other parts of the country and other states that I can refer people to if they want to do business outside of the state. But real estate wise, I stick to the state of Connecticut, mostly South Central Connecticut, but I've done deals all over the state. And so if so, from listing to contract to closing, what would you say would be the average that someone can expect? I mean, there's expectations when they contract you and you don't want to go, you want to be beyond the expectations, but you want to know the expectations are real, right? So I come to you, I've got a building, I have my condo in my office condo in Guilford. And I say, Jeff, I want to sell it. What, what can I expect? Well, every property is different. That's, yeah. it, it depends is the right answer. Um, I think if you were to use a rule of thumb, you could say for commercial properties, you could say six, say three months to a year. Three months is really fast, maybe six months to a year. But um, it really depends on the type of property and what the market is at the time. And, and tell us about financing, Jeff. What's going on in financing for commercial real estate? Well, again, that depends too. But uh, you know, some examples. Uh, you know, the rates are low now. 
there's a lot of money out there. Um, but you know, I know you do a lot of these podcasts are going to be listened to by business people, right? It's probably a big part of your audience. A, a great product for financing is the SBA loans, both the 7A, which you can use to buy businesses or real estate, and the 504 loan, which is designed for business people that want to locate their business in a property, and you can use it to finance a property. Um, big advantage there is that you can put down 10% versus 20 or 25 um, in equity. And, so and I, I recommend those a lot. And those are through the bank, right? Yeah. They're, they're typically arranged through a local lender or a national lender bank uh, in conjunction with a small business administration. Do, have you seen uh, financing change a lot the last couple of years? I know the rates have been low. Um, but have there been a lot of contingencies and stringent rules on, on loaning at this point of the game, or is it pretty loose money? Yeah, I think that goes up and down year to year and what the cycle is. I mean, what happened in 2008 changed things a lot. Yeah, that's right. Uh, with the financial crisis and things got a lot stricter. They've since loosened up a lot. But, I, you know, there, there's a lot of regulation around it, a lot of things to know when you're financing property. Yeah, uh, you know that's the other thing. I was when I asked you before, what do you have to keep up? I, I would just think the regulatory part of it alone. Oh yeah. Be. So when you are are looking for property, Jeff, do you do you look for red flags? I mean, I do you have like, uh, um, you know, that prairie dog where they raise their head looking around for the you know the enemy. <laughs> when you're working with property, do you have that prairie dog mentality looking for the red flags? Yeah, I don't know if I'd identify as a prairie dog, but I, I definitely, uh, you know, have my antenna up. So maybe it is like a prairie dog. They're, you know, the scenarios that I ran through the process to sell that property that I gave the example of, I've had so much experience doing that, that I've seen all the things that come up and I know what's going to come up. So be hopeful. I pride myself on seeing these things coming before they happen. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's what you're getting at. Yeah. That's what I'm getting at because there's so many, uh, a friend of mine had a place up in Guilford and he was selling it. He had a gas station and he got whacked into EPA and oh my God, what a mess for years and, and dollars. It was very expensive. So I could see where that could be a real big quagmire. If you're not aware of those things happen, you know? Yeah, preparing a site to be sold, I'm a big proponent of, and especially when it comes to environmental regulations. Because if you're selling a building, gas station, or what have you, the more uncertainty you can eliminate before you present it to potential buyers, the better off as you're going to be as a seller. It's just a cleaner sale. Um, and so sometimes doing some environmental work before it goes on the market is going to help eliminate a lot of problems down the road. Let's talk about that because um, how do you prepare your clients when they want to sell property and here you see their property? Do you prepare them in a way such as getting things repaired, fixed up, that kind of thing? Is that something that would normally you would do? I, I can. I okay. do. 
and it really, it's on a case by case basis. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes you want to make it look pretty. Sometimes it doesn't really matter. It depends on the property and what it's going to be utilized for. Right. Yeah. You know, you sent me uh, an analytical study, which blew my mind and it opened my eyes to how much work you have to do on the math side of things and the evaluations and the checks and bounces and um, bring us through that because I think typically people are not aware that these are things that you do and that have to get done to validate whether that sale is going to work or not. I would think, right? Right. Right. Um, I'm sorry. Can you repeat that? Tyler just interrupted me and I lost my train. That's right. No, you, you were the, the uh, you gave me an evaluation sheet and, and, yeah. uh, Analyzation. So I wanted to go through the scenario of the things that you do for the customer to understand these are things that you do and yeah. have to do. You're talking about the um, some of the financial analysis. Yeah, yeah, Talk yeah. About that. Yeah. So um, one of the things that having a CCIM designation teaches you is the whole financial analysis behind real estate. Um, income, expenses, what should they be? What's typical? What's unreasonable? Uh, how do you calculate in credit and vacancy loss? Uh, what's the difference between before tax income and an after tax income? Uh, what are the capital gains gonna be in the event of a sale down the road? So projecting all these things this is something that takes a lot of training uh, that I'm fortunate to have um, and be good at. Yeah. And I mean, I, I'm a very analytical person because I do analytical studies myself. So when I saw what you sent to me as an example, I, I didn't know that's how deep you get. It's almost like you're you're an attorney, accountant, an engineer. I mean, all these things that come into play. Right. That's and right. you have to be aware of them. You can't depend on other people to tell you this. And I'm sure you work with different advisors to validate what you're coming up with. And, and I'm sure you have an array of them. But that's a lot of, I mean, that's my point that people don't understand that a, com a good commercial realtor is probably doing more educational work for you up front. That saves you time sitting in front of an attorney at 500 bucks an hour, right? Right. Overanalyzing from a CPA, that happens too. That's not needed. So right. those, those services that you are very adapt to and trained to do really save the client a lot of extra money that normally they would have to get in the outside world. Am I fair to say that? Oh, yeah. And, and Jeff, what's the going rate for a commercial broker's uh, commission? Is that all over the place? What what does someone expect to be paying? Oh, it it really depends, and I you know it's negotiable. In fact, on our listings, we have to have a uh, you know a line dictated by the state that commissions are negotiable. Um, but I think that very commonly. You know, five to six percent for sale is something that you see out there. I think I can say that that that's pretty typical. Typical, yeah, yeah. 
And, I've, I've, I've charged people more than that if it's a difficult listing. Um, um, you know, and I, I know there's people out there that'll charge less too. Well, that's it. And that, you know, that brings me back to the, around the corner because, um, it, it, like I say, to, um, I say to people, uh, you may not like the personality of this person, but they're the best brain surgeon in town. Do you want the cheapest guy right out of college or the guy you really don't like, but he's the best? What do you want? Right. And right. sometimes that happens that you have to charge more because you're doing more. And right. you know, I don't know how many of your clients ever see a prototype of what you do for them, but you know, I'm an analytical guy. I've been doing this for 51 years. Um, I'm a spreadsheet guy. And when I saw what you did, I said, Oh my God, this is very new to me. Um, so it's very, it's very impressive of the services that you, you render. Um, question I have on lease terms, what should someone expect? I want to, I want to lease a building for my office. Tell us about leasing. Well, leasing is a is a is a different animal, and in a lot of a lot of ways, it's more complicated than than purchasing something, because the relationship between the lessor and the lessee is something that has to be really ironed out pretty well, um, unless you totally trust somebody and you're leasing from your you know a relative. Uh, so. You know, there's certainly the things like location and the physical attributes of something you're leasing, but then what kind of options to extend a lease do you get? Um, options to purchase, rights or first refusal. These are things that some people don't quite understand on the surface until it's explained to them. Um, so those are some of the things that, you know, we help people with. And what would be if someone was to look for a property to lease, what would be a typical term as far as length, uh, starting off length, what on a commercial basis, like two years, five years, or do they? You know, I think it's it's actually changed. I think over my time in the business, you know, and I think that's because business has changed. Um, what I tell people if I'm representing them or in a transaction is. It's really what works for the business. And then if the landlord's going to accept it. But typically, we, we used to see three to five years. Nowadays, business changed so much that I see a lot of tenants want shorter term leases, um, which can be advantageous and detrimental, depending on the business. So everything is unique. I, I would assume breaking a lease gets very messy. Yes. It does. Yeah. Yes. And I ask that because I look around the cities from COVID and I see so many of these buildings empty now. And that's my next question. You have a lot of empty real estate around, Jeff. Do you see this coming back or what's going to happen? Well, it depends on what kind of real estate it is. Um. There is some empty real estate. I think there's some office buildings that are more empty than uh, other product categories. But if you take industrial real estate, there's very little vacancy. In fact, we've got a problem. We don't have enough of it right now. Really? Really? Oh, big problem. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> so when you say commercial property, you're talking about manufacturing, that kind of thing, not necessarily stores, right? 
light industrial space, especially what we call flex buildings. Okay. So if you're a, an electrician or a, a somebody that's a service type of business and you need a 1500 square foot garage, you know, an overgrown garage type space with an overhead door, good luck finding it. Yeah. It's, yeah. There's just not, we, there's a lot of demand and very little supply and, you know, there's barriers to entry. It's hard to build in the state of Connecticut and um, not a lot's been built over the last 15 years. So it's a tough market. What do you think is going to happen with the, um, uh, this, for example, New York City, where you have a lot of vacancies on for stores? What are going to happen to those buildings if they don't, if people don't come back to work? Um, Boy, I wish I had a crystal ball. A lot of people were, you know, wondering about that. Um, but the real estate market has always been very creative in adapting and reusing things. Um, you know, I, if you if you go back a long way in history, there were a lot of empty buildings, yeah. mill buildings in, you know, our northeastern cities, especially that are now apartments. Yeah. Creative spaces. Yeah. So I don't know what's going to happen, but I, I have a lot of faith that the market's going to figure it out. Yeah, it's, it's very interesting because I'm hearing some companies are calling back their people and some are, are giving them the option. And so it ought to be an interesting ride at this point of the game. And, um, and a lot of it depends on what happens in, you know, what's going on in the world. But I, I think eventually long term, People want to be together and collaborate yeah. and people will at some point be back in offices together. It's uh, it's uh, your firm is uh, a very accommodating firm because it's got the culture. It's got the smaller size. You can do one on one with your company, with your employees instead of being a massive company. Do you plan on staying this size or you want to expand or you just like it the way it is? You know, it's really challenging to expand a commercial real estate brokerage company. And, and the reason is it's really hard to find people. You know, it's 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 hard to find people that have the skills to do all the tasks that you mentioned before. You know, you have to really be almost an accountant, know some law, be able to put, connect the dots to put relationships together and buildings with the right person and understand what's coming forward, um, what's going to happen in the future based on certain things you see. Somebody's calling you. They want to buy some property already. Yeah. <laughs> I this would work out. Um, that, that's I, very good, Tom. Yeah, so you like the, made that happen. The magic of an Italian. I can do these things. I can make it happen, Jeff. Jeff, we got to close. And I got to tell you, I'm very proud to be able to interview you because uh, the Dow family is a wonderful family. Um, and I also, uh, the one thing I wanted to bring up is that you're so involved with your family and the community. You really are such a giver. And I want to thank you for that because, uh, you know, no, there's not a lot of givers blowing down the door. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, good for you. You have a lovely family. 
Jeff, is there anything you want to leave us with today before we take off? No, I, you know, you're right. I, I am the beneficiary of, you know, my family that my elders that came before me. And I feel very fortunate that I can pass that on, not just to my kids, but other people in the community. You know, I, I, I coach youth lacrosse and football and uh, I, I do really care about giving back. But uh, I also am very thankful that I was a beneficiary of my grandparents that I talked about, but especially my father who brought, brought me into this business. And, uh, you know, I, I uh, benefit every day from the reputation he built and the legacy he left. And, um, you know, I miss him. It's been almost 13 years now. And, uh, you know, I, uh, but I'm, I'm grateful. Well, yeah, you know, you should be proud because sometimes when the baton is handed to the second generation, the second generation in many times screws it all up. That's another sale for you, Jeff. Um, I got this magic, right? But Jeff, uh, thank you. I'm going to make sure that we have all the contact information in the show notes so people can contact you. And um I just want to thank you for taking the time to come and visit with us today. It was very informative. Well, thank you, Tom. Um, I'm glad you found it informative and I, I've enjoyed it. And uh, I look forward to our continuing relationship, too. Well, I'll tell you, uh, I was uh, so the so the people don't leave before we tell them about our events on demand. Uh, you'll be able to listen to Jeff uh, if you belong to a group at some point electronically by downloading this video, but we'll tell you more about that in the future. Um, Jeff, thanks so much for taking the time. I appreciate it. Thank you. Well, I want to thank everybody for tuning in and listening. It was a good show today. And uh, if you would help us out by subscribing, click a like, uh, if you have any ideas or thoughts that you would like to share with us, please email me at tperone, that's P-E-R-R-O-N-E, at N-E-C-G-G-I-N-C dot com. And if you are a business owner or you know business owners that would like to participate on our show, certainly let me know. We certainly welcome everyone who is a business owner to help people out there that are running businesses with great ideas and strategies to make them successful. So again, thanks for tuning in. I certainly appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in. Whenever you're ready to grow and protect your business while creating more balance in your life, here are three steps you can take. One, subscribe to this podcast. To request a free copy of Tom's newly published book, Unlocking Your Business DNA, email Tom at tperone at necgginc.com. And on the subject line, type DNA. Include your mailing address. And thirdly, take the one-minute scorecard and report to see how efficient you are in your business planning. Email tperone at necgginc.com and request scorecard. For additional information, click the show notes.